on many occasions, the after hours and pre-market can give you a pretty good insight into the trading day. NYCB drops a tape bomb at 4 p.m. Market rallies overnight, takes out yesterday's high and kaplooey. Now we're back unchanged, folks. We're going to have to figure this market out today. Dell, AI, trading higher. Zscaler, in the dumps. Tim Quast, 835. It's a Friday on Pre-Market Prep. Welcome to Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. This is a volatile puppy here. It's all about execution style and strategies. All right, team, we got a lot to do today. We're down just a couple handles after posting a new all-time closing high yesterday. I just want to mention the IWM knocking on the door again, but uh, bank news, not not really hurting it too much yet. Uh, the buck in the red by less than a dime, hanging out at 104. Bonds, not doing much, down six ticks, just above 119. Crude, haven't talked about crude in a while. Up near 80, up a buck 48 at 79.74. Gold catching a bit at 550, up at 20.60.10. Silver trying to get in the 23 handle, up a couple pennies. Bitcoin futures, relentless move higher. Up $320 at 63,080. Let's bring in Triple D. And Triple D, can you say, I will buy this stock for a penny? Because that is not in the introduction anymore, and it just kills me. I got sick of that. I was so sick of that. I'll buy that stock for a penny. Really? I'll buy a lot of stocks for a penny. I'd buy, you know, certain stocks. So you were the one that took it out? I, I didn't. I, I don't have anything to do. I didn't have anything to do with this video. So, but they did a great job. I kind of like, you know, my, my new little saying. I didn't like this. I'll buy this stock for a penny. It is about executions. And strategies and whatever the hell else I yeah, say. Yeah, you just look too serious, though. You just look like they were told about execution strategy, you know. I but, like uh, it. What about the four o'clock tape bomb? Holy mackerel! Well, sneaky. Well, not really sneaky. It just came out just with so much other information, like Dell's ripping higher. You know, you've got other stocks trading earnings and going all over the place. And then I'm looking at my filters. And I was like, "What the hell just happened to NYCB?" And I'm looking at it down under four bucks. And I'm like, going. And then there's a filing. And I'm like, I'm so busy. I don't have time to read the filing. So I'm hoping, you know, obviously you're going to break it down here for me. And Benzinga usually does a good job of that. Um, obviously, you know, we have a filing. We have some issues here, NYCB. I'll bring in, let's bring in AB to yeah, talk yeah, about AB, this. Yeah, yeah, AB, give it, news me, news me. Uh, yeah, yeah so after the close yesterday, New York City Bank Corp announced uh, some internal control issues. It announced a leadership change to so this guy, Sandro Nanello, who was the CEO of Flagstar Bank before NYCB acquired it in 2022. And if you guys recall, when they announced this guy, Danello a couple of weeks ago was becoming the chairman, the stock rallied on it. And now they yeah. announced that he's going to take over uh, going from chairman to the CEO and president as the bank. I actually think this is a good thing. Apparently, I've heard from people in this sector that this guy's like a killer and that he, you know, I mean, the market loved it when he became the chairman. So now he's the CEO and president. Again, those internal control issues. Um, and this is all, again, stemming from some commercial real estate loans. NYCB acquired Signature Bank last year when mm -hmm. Signature Bank was failing. So it just got some bad stuff on its balance sheet, some bad loans, uh, announced some more problems. But 
Uh, I mean, again, this guy is supposed to be pretty good. So if anyone can can save it, then hopefully it's this guy. Yeah, we were just talking about KRE yesterday and that it should benefit from the lower uh, yields. And then, you know, it was doing well. And then all of a sudden you got this after the close. So it was probably... starting to perk up a bit. And, right. you know, maybe this doesn't derail the rally. Maybe we shrug it off. It seems like this market, if there's any market that can shrug this off, it's this market. But, I mean, regional banks collapsed, you know, the IWM back in March of last year. IWM is knocking on the door new, you know, highs here, you know, new multi-year highs. We haven't been up here for quite a while here. I think it's about two and a half years. Um, I'm concerned. I've been concerned about the regional banking situation. You guys know if you've listened to the show that I've voiced those concerns. This does nothing to help me alleviate those concerns. I'm just scared of the whole regional banking situation it's another reason why i've bought bitcoin was the regional banking situations you know i bought some more bitcoin last year and i've kept and i've bought more as regional banking concerns have re-emerged with nycb i mean if you're coming in here and trying to pick a bottom in something like this yeah you know maybe it bounces back but you could also end up with the one that ends up going almost to zero because a lot of these did so we know back in march so i'm out on nycb and i'm using it as an indicator to obviously trade the KRE, to obviously trade any banks, mm-hmm. the smaller banks especially. And I'm also using it as an indicator for the IWM because the reason the IWM is not up today, it's barely up today, is that this is weighing on it to a certain extent. But the overall market marches nope. on, Joel. I we know. can't stop the S&Ps. They march on. We're moving yep. higher here this morning. Who cares? We don't need banks. We got Bitcoin and AI. Who needs banks? Yeah, this one um, I I had for so long. I, I can't. I mean, I, I'm gonna hate to do my taxes in 25 because or for 24 because I have no idea what my cost basis was because it was Flagstar and it got taken over. Uh, I've been in this legacy greedy. position. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, man, I wish I would have sold it at 14. I did it, but like when the news comes out on these things, it's just like I'm not waiting around to find out any other news. I'm not waiting for another you know credit downgrade from s p or whatever but it's bounced again and the market's bounced again so uh you know maybe show that this stock can get over like five bucks and hold a bid if you feel it in you know there's definitely clear resistance at five so pre-market low we got a nice bounce off the pre-market low that stands at uh three and a quarter and uh it's, now it's still the boogeyman in the room though so keep is. an eye i mean internal controls failure in internal controls doesn't sound you know great to me obviously you know you hope it's going to bounce back or not continue to deteriorate if we continue to see it deteriorate it will take down the kre and in turn probably start to you know weaken the iwm as well but so far so good market taking it in stride and maybe a b it's because of the good ai news we get from dell oh Nobody yeah dell is an ai play well they sure do now we did, yeah, and that's just, I mean, kind of the story right now with these legacy tech companies is if you're transitioning into some form of AI or you can benefit from it, you're doing well. If you can't, then you're getting punished, and we'll talk about HP in a second. Um, but Dell reported EPS of 2 bucks and 20 cents, beat by 48 cents, revenue of $223 billion beat by 150 million the company cited strength in its or uh, uh, a growing demand for its ai data centers uh strong guidance stock is absolutely ripping up more than 26 percent this morning 
The, the AI trade came back fiercely, and I did not foresee that happening. I thought with the inflation numbers that IWM would outperform yesterday, and it did off the hop, and then they just turned around like, no, nah, we don't care. We're just buying AI stocks here again, and AMD led the charge, and we're going to come back to Dell, don't worry, but AMD, we've got to talk here in this context, just letting you know how hot the AI trade is once again, and AMD kind of pulled, full disclosure, still on AMD, but kind of pulled the whole NVIDIA like consolidation period for like six weeks between 165 and 180. Now we break out and resolve to the upside. And we saw what happened with NVIDIA when it finally broke out through 500, never looked back all basically marched to 700, which is like a 40% move. Well, if you put a 40% move on AMD at $180, this thing could be like 200 and I don't even know. It could be like 250, 260 bucks. So I still long. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for AMD. It's it's a fraction of the market cap of NVIDIA. If they think AMD is going to be coming and eating some of NVIDIA's lunch here, um, I like AMD. I was saying on the show a few days ago, I like AMD. I'm still you long did. AMD. Yeah, it's in a, been in a consolidation. So I think you're trying to buy dips on these stocks. I'm not even sure you're going to get them. I don't know what's going to derail this AI rally. But just to show you how hot it is, Here's Dell. I don't know what the expected move on was, Dell, but I can pretty much guarantee you it wasn't <laughs> 24 points. I know Jay Rice tracks that and everybody else. I can go, but I'm just too lazy to look it up. I know our chat's awesome. They'll give me the expected move, so I don't have to go figure it out or go open up my options platform to figure it out. But I can pretty much tell you it wasn't 24 bucks. It was probably like 5 bucks. But you know what happens? Aaron, they mention AI, and all of a sudden it's like, they can't stop buying the stock. It's pulling an arm here. And the one thing Dell has going for it, it had a very low PE coming in. The PE coming into this report, I believe, was 13. Ooh. So now you come in and you're like, oh my gosh, it's a value AI play. So that's why they can't stop buying it here. I wouldn't, I, I know normally on these types of moves, I'm like, well, you know, when the circus is in town, sell your peanuts type deal. I just think like now they're thinking of it as an AI play and the stock's still relatively cheap. So I don't know. I think dips are getting bought here. I had a little dip last night from 112 to 107. That got scooped up quickly. It's now 119. Expected move, Jay saying was six, Josh saying seven. Wow. Call 650. We're going in the yeah, middle. Whatever. Option straddle sellers absolutely <laughs> murdered on this. They're trying to figure out how the hell to hedge themselves. There is no hedge, guys. This is what happens. Sometimes you know when you're selling when you're when you're picking up nickels in front of a bulldozer, sometimes the bulldozer wins. And in this case, wow, this stock is winning. All right. So I've been buying computers for like a hundred years, okay? And I've only bought one non-Dell product. I have all my old lab. If I show you some, I keep them for some reason. I don't know. I got two Dells here. I wish I just would have bought 100 shares of the stock every time I bought a computer. And I'd, it'd be the you know a huge position. And But anyways, I don't know what to tell you. Traded at the highs of the pre-market session. That's 119.65 right there. Probably bid at the high. 120 psychological level there. I mean, I, I just don't know. I just and we and you know what was it? Did we both own the stock when they went private and when they took it and then they came back and we didn't get it? I mean, this is going back to 2009. That's why I yeah. hate Dallas. the stock went from like seventy dollars down to like eight bucks. And I'm like, there is so much value in Dell down here. I actually bought more. I was like, this stock is eventually going to be, you know, like going to come back. This was in the tech bubble burst. So what, not 2000, 
I don't even know if it's 2009. It might have been in the tech bubble. It was a long time. Maybe it was 2009. Well, this is the reorg too. This is. Oh yeah. Well, know. well, yeah. They, 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 well, they took it private. So what yeah. happened was, and he which pissed up. me right off at the time, was Michael Dell came in and bought the whole company for like 11 bucks, and I'm like, I just got screwed so big time here because one, I rode this thing all the way down. And then, too, I actually was, you know, buying more because I'm like, this is eventually coming back. This is a good company. It's one of those diamonds in the rough. And Michael Dell knew it. And he just, you know, bang, gave like a 20% premium, 9 to 11, or I think it was maybe it was 11 bucks, and took us all out. There's nothing to do as a shareholder. It's gone. I'm like so ticked off on that one. Took the stock away from me. And then they come back and, you know, it's a monstrous company. So, I mean, you just think like if you could have held those Dell all those years, Michael Dell was smart, though shareholders were stupid enough to sell a stock down to peanuts while well, he came up and scooped up all those peanuts and he made a lot of money yeah and so for these ai plays i mean we've obviously talked a lot about nvidia amd the company's making the chips but of course something like dell that's running these servers that are going to get a lot of demand exactly. I mean, you, got, you got to think about these kind of tangential plays and where you can get in on the on the thing behind the thing as raz would say but uh, moving on to another tech company that reported after the close yesterday. Not I just want to say, I don't think we've ever used tangential on the show. I think that's a, stop that, that word's too big for my vocabulary. That, that's I'm an SAT. That's an SAT. Word. I'm a trader. I'm not that smart. Do they, do they still have uh, SAT now? I, don't know, I took the ACT. Uh, but uh, either way, I mean, just <laughs> I'm just saying the thing that's kind of next to you. I know. I just give you a hard time. The, the server, it, and it's a good point that you're making here. And this market is so hungry for AI plays. Like, there's no way Dell's up 25 bucks if they're not talking the AI server stuff. And we know what happened with SMCI. I mean, this is an unbelievable move for Dell. But if they all of a sudden, we saw what happened with ARM. We saw when they start thinking of them as, as AI plays, sky's the limit. And I mean, Dell, this is this is all time highs here for Dell. So since the whole reorg and everything, you know, from back from 2009, um, I, I think it's hard to short stocks making new all time highs, especially when start when people weren't thinking about them as AI plays, and then in 24 hours later they are. That's dangerous for a short setup here. Um, all right. And then, so I, we were going to get to Hewlett Packard's earnings HPE after the close yesterday. Not as great. No Ooh. AI story there, at least not yet, uh, for HP. So, uh, let me get those numbers pulled up here. looks like EPS actually beat 48 cents versus 45 cents, uh, 45 cent estimates sales, 6.7 billion missed the 7.12 billion estimate. So, uh, sales missed there. Guidance missed expectations. Stock taking a little bit of a tumble this morning. Only down about 5%. Looks like coming back maybe a tiny bit this morning. Uh, they, since they separated these two companies, I don't know what's in what. I guess, you know, you got this is like, you know, that their traditional like PCs is HPQ. And this is all their other stuff that they do. The services business there. Chart was somewhat productive coming in again, you know, two-day little pop-up ahead of the earnings report. We know that strategy has worked very, very well. I think you're at support, but, you know, they didn't talk AI, you know. So, I mean, this market is hungry for AI, and anything that isn't AI, I didn't really care that much about. Like, I guess we were broadening out here, but if you're tech and not talking about AI, they're not caring about you. So, HPE should have mentioned more AI. Uh, quick story about uh, HP, and I don't know what the printer is, but like we signed up for, you know, we send you the cartridges kind of thing, right? And um, 
And I'm like, I'm telling Lisa, I'm like, we never get those cartridges. I want to quit that thing. And so Lisa called up and like, just gave them like the hardest time. Like, you don't send us cartridges. We've been paying for this. And like, they credited us and then sent us all the cartridges that we said we missed. And then, so Lisa brought them downstairs and she like, she opened up this drawer and she, there's like six cartridges in there. Oh, so and she's like, what the, yeah, they did send them. Uh, this stock is trading uh, at the low of the year. That's uh, 1420. So if you feel, uh, no, 1470 below the, the, the low of the year. So, I mean, underperformer, if it gets yeah. above 1470, uh, I'd call res minor resistance at 15. That fills the gap. That was the lower end of uh, yesterday's range, but the, probably better things out there to put your money in. This has been the year to not be contrarian. This has been the year to not be buying stocks at the lows and selling short stocks at the highs. Some years that works. Mm -hmm. This is not that year. This is the year that the strong gets stronger and the weak get weaker. And, you know, I think about even my own stock picks. You know, NVIDIA, I was buying it at the highs. AMD, buying it near the actual, well, when I was buying it, it was on a little pullbacks, but they were definitely stocks that were in serious uptrends. Um, buying dips on stocks and uptrends is just working. You know, even my Veritiv VRT, I bought that one recently here. It's breaking out here now. I had the earnings dip quickly scooped up. So you need an AI story if you're tech. And you also need to be in an uptrend. And these stocks that are in downtrends, like Baidu, think about that one, bad. You know, like it gets hit on the earnings because the stock is just China. China can't seem to get it going. You think, oh, here's a catch-up trade. I'm going to be a hero. Nope. Try to be a hero. It turns into a zero. It's just, in, you know, like Baidu's popping the back a bit. But that's what it is. <laughs> We're in this market. We're just go with what's working. And when you try to go with what's not working, you get hurt. You know, the the uh, Julie uh, on Fast Money, I tweeted this out yesterday. Um, she pitched this DAVA on Fast Money like two days ago. Stock was trading at $64. Ooh. And she pitched it two days ago. Thought this was one of her catch-up trades, small cap stock. Oh. It literally fell 42%. What did she do wrong? She's buying stocks. And I know Spinner tweeted this out too. And he's exactly right. Buying stocks that are trending down and weak. And, you know, Brian, you know, obviously Brian Shannon, we talk, you know, and, and, and there's certain times in certain markets you can do this kind of stuff in oscillating choppy markets, but we're in a trending market here. So I do it too. Julie, I do it too. I know she's not listening to the show, but, you know, <laughs> I do it too. You know, I try to be a hero. You try to come in. You say, okay, well, this is the bottom. It's going to bounce back here. More often than not, they just go lower. They don't usually fall 42%. The next day but you know wow. it had an earnings report so she had some guts to pitch something ahead of earnings that just didn't work out but i mean this is just case in point you can't be buying stocks and downtrends right now because they just go lower you got to be buying stocks and uptrends buying them on dips so buy buy the strong stocks on dips that is what is working in 2024 and you know what? All the years that we've been doing the show and talking about investing, you've always been like, you know, I got to buy a pullback. I got to get, you know, when this stock is in the gutter, I got to, you know, I got to buy this. Yeah. Well, I mean, not I mean, working. for a year, I, yeah, I mean, it's not working now, but um, I just think it, uh, um, it, it's. There are times when it works, Joel. There are times when, it's, so there's two core strategies in the markets, contrarian and momentum contrarian and momentum and we have been in a momentum market for a very long time now we've had pockets of contrarianness 
you know, but there's certain markets, you know, where contrarians do really well. And 2022 was a good contrarian year. We had the big run up, you know, with the queues in 2020 and 2021. And it was like everything. Well, 2022, we kind of chopped around a lot. So, you know, that was a good year to be contrarian because there wasn't as much trend. When there's no trend, it's a better to be contrarian. You can see what I'm talking about. 2022, we were down overall, but we came back at the end of the year. You know, we were bouncing around here. But since the 2023, since the last year, we have been in a clearly momentum market. So we're in like 16, 17, 18 months of pure momentum to the upside here now. And if you're fighting that, you're getting hurt. You know, if you're trying to call the top, you're getting hurt. Everybody trying to call the top on NVIDIA, getting hurt. You know, what did I do different? I just went with the momentum. And I'll, look what it does for you. You know, it just works out. So just keep that in mind. Certain, Don't get married to being a momentum trader because in certain markets, it can change. But identify the type of market you're in. It's clear we're still in a momentum market. And then you're trading momentum strategies, which is buying strong stocks on dips, selling weak stocks on rips. That's the basic core strategy. Another, you know, talking about trades that aren't working now, one that hasn't worked out at least the past couple of weeks is the cybersecurity trade. Palo Alto got crushed a week or two ago. Zscaler came in and reported last night that wow. earnings missed the mark there. Uh, EPS actually beat estimates and so did sales, but uh, I guess the guidance was not look or not what the market was looking for. Stock getting uh, a little pummeled this morning, down about 5%. And this is, I mean, you know, one of those areas that people are looking for that AI boom. We've been talking to Mark Chaikin about, uh, you know, cybersecurity and IT play. So Zscaler could still be a company that benefits mm. from the AI boom, but clearly the market uh, not really, not really loving it right here. Hmm. What? It's the what? definition, though. I know, like, it's the definition of a strong stock that's on yeah. a dip here. It dipped yep. hard on the Palo Alto. You saw just blindly buying the Palo Alto dip makes money because it's a strong name. Does it, you know, do you want to give it a day to bounce back? Like, Snowflake's already trying to come back. So just blindly buying the dips on strong stocks is working, folks. I don't know. It may not always work, but it is working right now. I wanted to buy the Snowflake. I had it written down. It bounced right at the 180. Should have just bought it blindly. I just look at that the fundamentals. I know. Like 200 I know. times earnings and I can't stomach it. I always like to buy something that's somewhat reasonably priced. I just never have felt Snowflake reasonably priced. Zscaler's probably the same thing. I haven't looked at the fundamentals of this. But cybersecurity, all this stuff, it's still cloud. I mean, that's all still hot. It's going to be hard to keep this puppy down. I don't know what to tell you now, but I would have been a buyer at this gap area overnight, 216.51. I wouldn't have probably been too happy when it went to 213, but you got a gap fill. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see if they come in and buy the dip again. Let me do a uh, a quick retracement. And while I'm doing that, wasn't, what, wasn't there one earlier in the week of cybersecurity that bucked a trend and had a good report? Do you remember who that? Was it Okta? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good call here. What did they do? Uh, it, it's holding in there. Okay. It is. I, yeah, it's holding in there. I'd keep an eye on that gap area. And then also when I thought about this, um, you know, I don't know when Sentinel-1 reports, uh, but man, that, that stock's up there. So, you know, could go either and way. all those stocks got bought in the Palo Alto dip. They joint. did. Look at that. Look at that. Wow. It, they did. There's, you know, certain pockets, you know, AI, weight loss. And cybersecurity just remain the hot topics. And think about it. None of those things are going away. 
people are still fat. They still want the easy way out. Take drugs. People still get hacked every single day. Hacks aren't going away. And the bots are coming. So, I mean, those three stories have longevity to them. They're not like, oh, this is the hot topic of the day. No, these are movements, folks. People want to be thinner. People want to be lazier and thinner. That's why the bots are coming. That's why I'm a fan of this, even the humanoid stuff that we're talking, but it's a little ways down the road. And unfortunately, they don't want to get hacked. So they're going to be coming in and buying cybersecurity stocks. These stories are not going away. Do overweight people get hacked more? I don't know. There, there's, there's more That's of the them. Question there's, there's, I just, there's more of them to hack. Uh, <laughs> a lot of overweight people in this someone, world. And someone, you know what? I'm one of them. You know, like no, I'm, you're not, an extra, no, no. I'm a good extra twenty pounds on maybe, me. Are you, maybe, are you over two twenty? Are you over two twenty? No, I don't. Know, I haven't weighed myself in a while. I might be approaching it because I had that. Really? Food, all I did was lay down and eat. Dennis, That's been so. big resistance for a while, Dennis. If you break yeah, out, yeah, I'm always between two hundred five and two hundred and fifteen. So that, I've been big, big I've been two hundred five to two hundred fifteen for the better part of twenty years. So you know, if I start breaking out over two hundred fifteen, then I got problems. I don't want that breakout. Dennis, you might be you might be Canadian overweight, but you're certainly not American overweight. <laughs> Maybe uh, that's true. Maybe that's yeah, true. go to Wisconsin. They eat so much better in the states. So I love it when I go out for dinner in the states because the portion size is so much bigger. You know, I go out for dinner here and I've got to eat my kids' meals just to get full. I order the full entree. I'm still not full. And then I get half of my daughter's meal because she doesn't eat nothing. So that's double negative. So she eats nothing. But um, when you go to the States, I always have so much food. You know, I got all the buffets on every corner. You go to Florida there and you're like eating like a champion, this buffet and that buffet and Golden Corral. And I'm like, man, if I live down here, I'd be pushing 350. It's you, just because it's in the Golden Corral is phenomenal. They have oh. so many options. I know Joel is not fancy enough for it. Joel likes the fancy lobster tail meals. They got the prime rib going. It's like eighteen dollars eating that Golden Corral is awesome. What is that? That used to be a stock Golden Corral. I don't know. I'd be wrong if it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that food that that the price is awesome, and you can just eat eat and eat and eat, and you know it's good. The only problem right. is when I go there to these buffets, the biggest problem is I can't control myself. So I just eat too much, and then I feel like crap for hours after. It's like the 48 chicken wings. You know, I just feel like crap for so many hours. I have no self-control. So that's why you know I've got to like portion size myself. This is where you're so, supposed to bring that weight know, loss drugs. This is the tangent to the weight loss drugs. So okay. I did someone in the chat pointed out, and this is why I'm not really jumping on the train of calling this AI move uh, a real bubble that's about to burst. Someone in the chat pointed out that it's not enough right now to just be an AI story. You have to kind of prove it on earnings. Uh, you know, you've seen the earnings growth in NVIDIA and AMD from the demand of AI, but in certain stocks like SoundHound, you're not seeing that uh, reflected in earnings yet. And SoundHound reported after the close yesterday, missed the mark, stock getting absolutely crushed uh, this morning, down more than 20%. Let's go ahead and get those numbers up. Saw someone in the chat yesterday that looked like a pretty big holder of SoundHound. So EPS missed. Uh, by a cent, came in at negative seven cents. Revenue came in at 17 Ooh. million, missed by, uh, you know, about half a million. And yeah, I mean, like you're just not seeing, I guess, the earnings, the, the demand for AI come in and boost the earnings at least yet on this stock. And so the market is uh, punishing it. 
These are all storied AI stocks that don't have the fundamental backing. NVIDIA has the fundamental backing. AMD, you know, is going to be a big player. And then there's all these. I talked about this yesterday. I'm like, these are being run by the memester groups, you know, by, you know, the bots that get ahead of the memester groups. And they're like, oh, it's just AI is the buzz. And they buy every single company. I mean, they're, all these companies put AI in their corporate names for a reason. So, yeah, obviously, you know, there's BFRG, which is, we went through this yesterday, Bullfrog AI. And then you've got GFAI, which is Guard Force AI. And then you've got Soundhound, which is Soundhound AI. I mean, are these really, you know, going to be huge players in AI? I don't think so. I think these are just storied stocks that are trying to get on the hot trends, you know, and they get the AI in there. And, you know, they get hot for a bit. And congratulations to the longs. $2 to $7, fantastic trading. And these things are great to trade. But I don't think these are your long-term investments. I don't think Soundhound's going to be a two hundred and fifty dollars stock. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe it is. But I think more. I I would bet more on the leaders than you know these speculative AI plays because a lot of these speculative AI plays are going to end in tears. Oh boy, you're in a nasty candle here. Uh, this day when it went from four to nearly six. So I'll just give you the pre-market low if you're looking for potential support that comes in at 555 coming back on the upside man after this kind of price action after the brig run up two day drop one day back up now people are going oh if this gets back to like 650 i just need it i will get out at 650 if it gets to 650 and then it gets maybe gets to 650 and they go i'm holding out for seven. Oh yeah and then i'm breaking even at 750 and then it doesn't happen yeah, well, this is what, you know, and this is the slippery slope, you know, of, you know, novice traders where they're coming into the hot story, what are they talking about on the message boards, following all this, and then getting hurt. I mean, you know, you, you look at, and, and not picking on the memesters here, but their long-term, their short-term track record can be very good. Their long-term track record on a lot of these stocks is not very good. I mean, the GameStop is significantly off the highs. The AMC is horrible. Horrible. Can't get really worse. I mean, down 99.5% from the highs. So, I mean, you can hold these things in hopes that they're eventually going to come back, but that's all it is, is hope. In all likelihood, these things are never coming back. There's so many. Bed, Bath & Beyond. Remember, everybody's Bed, Bath & Beyond. We buy bankrupt companies because we turn them around. Well, it kind of un unbelievably worked with GameStop, but it's not going to work with all of them. So, Bed, Bath & Beyond. And then, you know, obviously AMC, Adam Aaron was the one who benefited the most, sold a lot of his oh, shares yeah. up there. Oh, like, man. he's the one who really benefited from all of that, was Adam yeah. Aaron. And, yeah. you know, like, and then he wants to blame other people for, you know, the stock's fall. But, you know, meanwhile, he had a tough, you know, it was going to be tough to turn AMC around. So, you know, he had a tough job. But, you know, he sold a lot of stock up there, and then they're challenging his sales. He's like, oh, well, you know, I'm getting older, and, you know, it's part of the retirement plan and all the other things. Yeah, so right. Bring in the register. Because your stock is ridiculously overvalued. That's what you were doing. So if you want to be mad at anybody, I would say it's Adam Aaron. There was a, a longtime theater in, in my neighborhood, the Maple Theater. I mean, that it you know used to show, you know, all you know, more, you know, they showed the new stuff, but they showed classics. It'd been around for like 40, 50 years. You could see a good documentary there. Boom, closed, man. Boom, shut their doors after like I don't know 40, 50 years. So I don't know. It's tough. tough movie it's theaters. Tough. So, just stop and think before you invest in something. Trading completely different. You can trade anything. Just have your outs. But before you come and invest in something, logically think about what you're investing in. Oh, I want to go invest in movie theaters. I think that's the future. 
I mean, everything. They're writing all on the wall, folks. You know, like we've got streaming. People aren't going to the movie theaters anymore. Like that's just what you've got to just stop and analyze. Like when I'm, the best investments that I do are the ones that I'm just logically thinking about. Like, is AI going to continue to grow? Yes. Okay, that's NVIDIA, AMD for certain. And, you know, maybe there's some other ones in there too, but those two are probably slam dunks. So just think about logically what you see five years from now. Because if you see movie theaters taking over the world and everybody's going to the movies again, I don't see it. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see it. Kill I, one. I, I see a bunch of skinny people not, not getting hacked. <laughs> okay. So you want to buy the cybersecurity. Weight loss but... drugs and, and cybersecurity. Joel. Yeah. Aaron. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, chill ones in the in the chat pointing out Dune, a big movie right now. I know we got Luke Jacoby here at Benzinga planning on going to see that tonight. And he bought a bunch. What's he going to see? Dune. It's a uh, like sci-fi. It was it was a book. I don't know. I, I, I read saw it advertised. Day, but then they put what they they put a couple movies out. I think this is actually Dune too. But AMC made all the uh, a special popcorn bucket for the movie. So you know we'll see if that helps bring people. Oh yeah, that'll help the stock. Yeah, that'll that'll help the long-term story and bring people back to movies. Um, but speaking about streaming, we did Animation. have a we did have a streaming company report earnings this morning. Uh, any guesses on which one that was? Uh, no. Fubo? Fubo, Fubo you got oh, it. Yeah, talking, oh, yeah. We're okay, talking about Fubo. meme stocks and meme, you know, this kind of fits into that AMC type thing. Fubo has been absolutely getting beaten up. Fubo's the one that tried to lean, which I actually thought this was a pretty good idea, but lean into the sports streaming, basically. They and, did. They, yeah. yeah. And, say, and and Joel, they, they did some horse racing stuff too on Fubo, I know. Um, but uh, the company reported earnings this morning, getting a pop EPS. Uh, beat the estimates 31 cents against 17 cent estimates. Sales came in at 410 million, beat the 397 uh, million estimate. So, uh, good earnings here and a lot of short interest. So, potentially, mm, I think it was yeah. Jay Rice in the chat pointing out that you could potentially see some sort of a squeeze here. Uh, and we've seen that trade working yep. out a, a decent amount the past few weeks with Carvana and some of these other stocks. But we'll see if yep. Fubo can continue to catch a bid here at uh, what are we trading at? Oh, wow. Well, we're up 17%. That's 35 cents. Uh, you had a gap area. I don't know what happened in February. Someone pulled the plug here on Fubo, had the bad day. Uh, gave you another look at it. I mean, let's get a sustained 240 bid here. And then who the know, you know, who knows where this thing can go. But you're getting, if you were looking at the gap fill, uh, you're getting it wide open, almost 3.8 million shares are traded for this little uh, price. But if you are buying it off the open, just make sure it just keeps going up after the open. And, you know, don't don't wait. Hang on. Oh, well, I'm going to buy it at 240. I'm going to buy more at 220. I'm going to buy more at 210. Just make sure you catch a bid right off the open. Be aware of those $2.50 prices. So that's where a lot, if there are options on this, I'm assuming there is. Yeah, I'm just looking at open interest. That's ah, not crazy, actually. I was looking just for... Actually, there is no merch on this. I don't even see merch options on, on this. So you got to go to May, apparently. So just not a lot of options on a stock like this. I don't, and if there's merch, let me know. I don't know why they're not on my options chain, but they're not. Um, May 250s had 2,000. So it gives you guess what the pre market high is 250. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to watch those numbers, like those 250 to five, Kenny Glick style. I mean, he's good at that. Like just. 250 is going to be your next logical resistance. This has got optionality there. Uh, and then, you know, we're talking about Fubo, a company that's been struggling. Some people, you know, worried that this thing's going to go out of business. Another company that 
not really looking great. Going concern. That's Fisker ticker FSR reported earnings after the close yesterday. And I mean, you know, you've seen this too with Rivian. If you're just this type of startup, you know, you're looking at Fisker and Rivian, both very early stage companies that aren't making money yet. And then you, this environment, I mean, the interest rates aren't so high that they're, you know, putting these companies out of business right away. But over time, if you're a company that's not making money, bleeding cash, tough environment, uh, Fisker announced this growing concern, basically said we're looking for another car company to partner with to help us make it through, you know, the year, make it through next year. And the, so the stock's <laughs> getting crushed. I mean, not not great news if you were buying up Fisker uh, down here. You got out of this uh, one, Dennis, right? Yeah, I did. And I and again, I was in this for a while. I made some money with it and then I lost some money with it. I don't know how I did overall on it. Um, I like the story here. I like the cars. I thought, you know, eventually this could be, you know, the market cap. It was a speculative buy always. But, you know, he looked at it, the market cap was small. And I was like, if they can figure it out, they obviously haven't. And it's Aaron's hit the nail on the head. The environment here of higher rates for longer is not what these EV startups need. The environment is absolutely killing them because the financing on cars is tougher. EVs are really expensive. People aren't able to afford a lot of these cars with the higher rates. So, you know, when you see Rivian, which is the clear, probably of the pure EV plays, Rivian's kind of like number two, really. And it's struggling here. I mean, there's Tesla and really of other EV makers, there may be nobody else. So all of them trying to get to where Tesla is, and it's just difficult. It shows how incredible and how impressive it is that Elon Musk has done You know what he has done because you can see so many other EV startups just trying to find their ways. I mean, Lucid has all the Saudi money behind them, and they can't figure it out here either. So all of these stocks are near 52-week lows. I got killed on my lithium stocks trying to play the EVs You know a little bit there. That didn't work out either. I've cut some losses there now. Um, it's just the higher rates for longer makes it very tough on EV. And I mean, even back in the day, Tesla, when it was kind of at this stage, ran into a lot of problems and had to have kind of, you know, I think the California yep. government helped out a lot with some subsidies and whatnot. And without that, a lot of people look back at it and say, yeah, Tesla would have gone out of business. So either way, when you're a company that's in that startup mode, that's losing money before it's making money, you know, I mean, it's it's tough. So uh, 838, I do see our man, Tim Quast, hanging out backstage. What do you say, guys? You want to get into some market structure? Yep. Let's do it. Mr. Tim Quas, it looks like it's still dark out there and in, in out west. You still out in uh, Colorado? I I am good to see you guys. Yeah, well, the days are getting the days are getting longer. So, I mean, you know, back up 2 weeks and it would be it would be pitch black behind me. So, it's actually actually uh, starting to get light early here. And it's come to this. You've run out of stuff to talk about. You're down to market structure. (laughs) (laughs) It's the end of the the week, Tim. Come on, Friday, slow news day. So we got to bring you on. You've reached the bottom of the barrel. Mark or or, or Tim, it's so it's so funny to have a conversation. You'll have a conversation with somebody, and then you go into market structure, and you get to see the eyes start to glaze. It's it's like the the ultimate sleeping pill when you start getting into the plumbing of the markets here. Exactly, exactly. Way to preview. Way to preview our conversation. But you know, 
know what? Tim does it in such a fun way. He adds the whole new elements of bringing it in there that wow. we all get excited to see, Tim. It's only yeah, when I talk, cast. Marcus, structure the eyes glaze oh, over. Here, let me uh, let me bring the light down a little bit there. I look look like I'm. <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, I'm I can start talking about regulation national market system, and I look around and the room's empty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can't get that. You can't get that deep. You gotta stick to <laughs> yeah. hey. Here's what it looks like, and here's the stock pick, and then you're okay. <laughs> so I like I like when you do it like supply and demand, Tim, because I'm not that smart, but even I can understand supply and demand. And if you tell me, hey, there's more demand for a stock than there is supply for a stock, that's probably going to be good for the price. So, do you have any stocks like that right now that are trending higher on demand and, and lower on supply? I wish the Federal Reserve understood supply and demand, but I digress. Yeah. Yes, of course we. <laughs> Let me show you because, yeah, uh, frankly, it this is pick your thing. Is it Jekyll and Hyde? Is it a tale of two cities? Uh, it you, you pick your uh, literary uh, reference. But I could give you a case either way. But I'll share my screen, and and uh, you know this is like old times back. Uh, Back with you guys. It's it's really enjoyable. We miss you, Tim. We yeah, miss you. Yeah, I miss you guys too. Yeah. Yeah. Good to see you. Okay. So, Aaron, to, to, to answer your question. So, if you've never heard of market structure, I you're be thankful. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what so the, the, just as a little background. So we at, at Market Structure Edge like to think about momentum and low volatility. And there's a reason. I call it the I call it the one, two, three reason. So most of the time, SPY, but you could pick an ETF. Uh, so notice that's up here. And and A B, I'll answer your question. <clears throat> So SPY generally, as a rule, moves about 1% intraday. So whatever you want to call that, you, you, if you, you technicians like to call it the average true range, I think. Yep. Uh, so, so we call it, we call it volatility, intraday volatility. So generally, SPY moves about 1%. It's a little less than that right now, which is a rarity. Um, then the stocks comprising the S&P 500 move about 2%. Which meet, which creates a, I mean, it's a guaranteed arbitrage opportunity for the people who are tracking a basket, call them Citadel, Susquehanna, Jane Street, etc., uh, of stocks versus SPY or an ETF. And then for momentum, you want three percent or more. So that's your one, two, three, and it's how you can make money. By the way, uh, then the probability of making money goes up if you know supply and demand to your point ab so here in momentum today there are 16 of them weirdly led by financials and the key behavior is citadel i mean when you see fast trading that's what it is over here in low volatility which is one percent i mean that's it. really if you're trading low volatility you want one percent if you're trading momentum you want two why because you can take that from the market. You will never, ever, ever, ever beat Citadel. Sorry, <laughs> not going to happen. They have machines in 220 global markets. They consume every proprietary data feed. They know everything you do not. So just take what they give. All right. So uh, what would you take if you were trading momentum to, to your point, AB? I finally answered the question. Um, you know, there's a lot of them. We like liquid stocks. 
Most of the money in the market is in the Russell 1000. 95% of market cap is in the Russell 1000. 5% is in the Russell 2000. Put them together, it's 99.9% .9 of all market oh. cap, right? So that it's very difficult to trade the Russell 2000. Frankly, if you take two stocks out of it, the Russell 2000 is flat. It hasn't gained anything. It's all SMCI and MSTR, which will no longer be in the Russell 2000 come May when Russell rebalances and they're in the Russell 1000. So just be aware of that. That's why you will always see market cap with a B over here in the, in the momentum portfolio, because we want things you can get in and out of. But you could take your pick here. Um, you know, if you look at IRM, just as an example, it has volatility of 3%. The last close is $78 and, you know, 78 and a half. Look at this. Screaming demand, falling supply. That's what you need. I like that. that. Right? It increases the probability of producing a return. And you might say, well, where do I buy it? Okay, I'll show you. If I come over here to this, by the way, is a brand new view. This is, in fact, the this is for interactive brokers. Um, and uh, the the handshake to provide this in the test environment occurred at 2.48 a.m. this morning because our chief engineer is in Barcelona. <laughs> so our software, chief software engineer. But right here, here's IRM, weirdly in the real estate sector, but there it is, 3% volatility. 78.64, the last close. That was yesterday's close. Here's your entry range. Here's your exit range. All you want is 2%. But if you take 2% every day, how much would you be up? I'm not saying- 2% every day, you are the goat. You are the goat, exactly. And it's not gonna happen every day. But it, boy, is it a lot less stressful to, to just take 2% than it is to say, my, my stock went up 278%. The problem with that, is most retail traders see something that says this stock went up 278% and they buy it up 277% and it goes down. That's the problem. Most of the time that happens to us retail traders. So that's, if you look at this AB, there are all kinds of momentum opportunities, which is interesting. So, I, I'm sure a lot of people would look at something like IRM and I'm looking at the chart right now yeah. that's at all-time highs and maybe some right. novice traders would say, oh, I'm not going to buy a stock that's at all-time highs, but you're saying right. instead of looking at the price, you'd be better off looking at where's the supply of the shares going and where's the demand going and because you have that disparity, uh, you know, it right. makes for a good buying opportunity regardless of the fact that it's at all-time highs. Exactly. So here, if I, that is exactly right. Don't trade price, trade supply and demand. Why? Because price is very capricious. Price tells you- Another SAT nothing, word. Right? These big right. words here today. I, it's, it's a little early for me too. Glossary, I don't even know Google. what capricious means actually. So- uh, Sounds smart though. Yeah, like, right, exactly. You want to sound smart even if you're not like me. So, so, but you're it's very good, AB. That is very good. Price is nothing more, and I'll give you a great case in point, than what a machine assigns to a stock because most prices are set by machines and machines look at stocks as products, as prices. How about Lyft? You know, in my profession, the investor relations profession, the big buzz a week ago was Lyft which 
put a zero, an additional zero in its earnings release on its projected EBITDA margin. So yeah. instead of a half percent increase, they put there would be a five percent increase. Stock shot that. up. <laughs> they immediately corrected it, right? They immediately corrected it and it went up further. And it, it went up anyways. Right. That's so, how stupid this market is sometimes. Like they they ran right. that thing up to 19, then they pulled it all the way back to 13 on the correction. They're like, well, we're running it to 19 anyways. Exactly. Don't be the second buyer at 19. Like it went the first time. Don't be going to buy it at 19 on the misinformation there. And now it's right. at 15 and you're wondering what happened to you. I mean, when momentum breaks, here's a question for you, Tim, because obviously okay. you trade a lot of momentum. Yep. How do you know when to sell? Like you say, you just take the 2% gainers, but let's say you didn't get the 2%. You know, do you have a set stop in there? Because you don't want to get caught when that momentum turns. Because Lyft had pretty good momentum for two days, and now it has no momentum at all. How do you not get caught on these momentum trades? It's uh, right. I mean, it's, it's how would you, it's a very good question. Dennis, it's the thing that vexes all traders, right? It's the thing that always we wonder, when do you sell something? Well, yes. I always say take gains, not chances. I mean, it sounds trite, but it's it's and you say, oh, the stock went up another five percent. Why wouldn't I stay in? Uh, well, don't look back. Just take your gain and find another thing here to me. I'll use N NVIDIA as an example. And I, and I realize people say NVIDIA. People say NVIDIA. Jim oh, I used Wong. to get in big trouble for that. Oh, remember, yeah, uh, remember Dimitri? Right. An he ace. Remember ace? He, oh, yeah. he said NVIDIA. He would just lay into us there. So I always say NVIDIA now to not it's pick everything NVIDIA. It's I mean, Jensen Wong says NVIDIA, and he founded the company. So I'm going with what he says. I think right. So. so. Right. So here's NVIDIA for 30, I think the last 30 trading days. Look at this. It's at 10 the entire time till here. So would you leave right before the jump? No, because look at the supply. Supply is plunging. Where is it now? Rising demand, rising supply. Still fine. You could stay until, until how would you know? Well, let's, let's go look at Tesla. Uh, this to me, AB, this is what I use. I mean, I'm not going to hang around. I'll take, take my gains. But if I'm looking for a reason to leave, uh, let's expand this out. Uh, let's let's just look at it at a year long at Tesla. If demand falls and supply rises, I'm out. Why why hang around? You you the stock could continue to rise after that, but why hang around? And in this period where there is no demand, see that you see this when there is no demand, it, you could pick your point. Wherever there is a point where there is insufficient if demand is below five, don't own it. It's that simple. So if it's above five, you could continue to own it long-term, short-term. But once demand deteriorates below five, I, in fact, when demand falls, for me, if demand falls and supply is like right here, 60% of the trading volume, by the way, by the way, this, this is what, what supply is, is the data set associated with the modified uptick rule. So in 20, 2007, the SEC did away with the uptick uptick rule, which said that you could only short a stock on an uptick. And then we had the financial crisis. Hue and cry arose. We need a rule. So the SEC implemented the modified uptick rule with yeah. girders in 2010. And FINRA correspondingly required brokers to report whether the, the transaction that they were reporting to the tape, the executing broker, 
involved shares that were owned by the broker or its customer or borrowed. And there's a market making exemption from these rules. We've talked about this a lot, but this is for anybody new. So market makers who make a bid and an offer are exempt from Reg SHO. That's the re regulation governing short handling. Rule 203B2. They don't have to find shares. So all the time, half the volume short. So if it's 60% short and demand is falling, if 60% of the trading volume doesn't really exist, you should leave. Why? Because it's not real. It's going to go away. And so it's a good reason to leave. Now, could you come back? Yeah, as soon as demand rises in Tesla and supply falls, you can see it there, come back and own Tesla. It's not that complicated, folks. If I can understand it, it can't be very complicated. Tim, we're running, up, <laughs> okay. we're running up on the clock here, but I see a lot of people yeah. in the chat asking about Apple. Do you mind if we take okay. a real quick look at Apple before we let you get on with your day? Before you hit the okay. slope, before you hit the slopes. Slow. I mean, it, we got friends coming in today, so it's it's nice. a busy day in Steamboat. Busy day of screwing around in Steamboat. <laughs> so here's Apple. Is it okay? It's okay, but it's not great. Look across here. Apple should spend a lot of time at five because really Apple is a large cap growth and value stock. It can be either. So a lot of time at five is value. But look across the 30 days. That green part of the graph, that's the important part. Is it at five? Yes. How about supply? It's fine at 43%. It's less than half of the volume. The trend line is down. But this is not awesome. If I'm going to own something, probably not Apple at this point. Now, can you trade the options? Yeah, you sure could. Uh, but it's not great. You can find something right. else. Well, there you go. Apple, yeah, it's been kind of one of those. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what Apple's been doing. It, it's not really going down that much, but it hasn't right. been great. It hasn't been one of the, the hasn't been one of the stocks driving the market this year, which is uh, you know, rare for Apple. Well, Tim, right. again, Tim Quas, Market Structure Edge. I threw that link in the chat. If you want to go check that out, Tim does offer a free trial. Uh, thanks for hopping on pre-market prep with us this morning. Great to see you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. All right, guys. Always great. I want to talk you. Apple first. I want to talk yep. Apple for yep. a second too, AB. Let's get Because into it. this 180 level has been like the level and it's still holding 179.60. You know, you can say it's breached. 179 a quarter is the low of the move. It's 179 to 180. This level is held and held and held again. I feel like it's just been here for so long, though. I feel like it's eventually resolving to the downside. And, you know, and I bought, so I bought Apple back when, it, you know, what, what, right before, right, right around the time of um, the Vision Pro release. Because I, I was oh. like, I'm very impressed with the looks of the product. And I thought that maybe this would get the AI story going in Apple. And then, you know, a week later, the reviews weren't great. You know, it was too big. You know, people were getting headaches. You know, the, it wasn't selling, you know, as well as uh, Apple had anticipated, too expensive. You know, just from hearing, you know, and listening to the social media chat, it wasn't great. So what do you do? I just want to make this lesson clearly. So I bought it like 188. The stock's at 184. So normal traders, heaven forbid you sell at a loss, Joel, would not eat that loss at 184. They'd be like, nope. I got to wait till it comes back to 188 because I got to get my money back. I don't take losers. And that's the mistake. And that's the difference between novice and professional. It's willing to say, hey, you were wrong. So I sold my Apple at 184. And the reason is that my thesis, the whole Vision Pro was maybe going to kickstart it, did not, was not working out. 
social media, you know, wasn't jumping. This all of a sudden wasn't having this AI, you know, boom that I thought might happen from the product. I still am very impressed with the product, but the reception to it has not been great. So you eat your four points and move on. You lose four points on Apple and he makes 700 on a stock like SMCI. I mean, you're going to be doing very, very well. And obviously you're not going to always do that, but riding those winners and cutting those losers is the whole key because you're not always going to be right. Sometimes your thesis is not going to work out and don't get stuck holding on to those stocks. Move on. Not that Apple's a bad company. I think Apple's higher in the long run, but Apple looks feels heavy right now. It's mm -hmm. not cheap and it doesn't have the AI story going for it. People don't think of it as an AI play right now. It's not Apple AI. Microsoft alternatively has the AI story going. So until Apple can show us, you know, that they're going to come out with something cool and, you know, again, Vision Pro, I think is pretty cool, but the reception to it just wasn't great. You've got to, you know, you know, just stay away from that weakness. And I think Apple eventually is going to go down here through this 180. I it is. It it's one, right there right I think now. it could be yeah. 165. I think Apple at a, 165. Yeah, it will grind. But. It will grind its way down there. I, I, I didn't like the reaction to the news when uh, they said, oh, we're, we're finally giving up on EVs. It had a pop. And I, it, they sold that pop. That pop was up to 184. Um, also, Goldman Sachs, uh, their conviction dash directors list, whatever the heck that is, uh, they removed that as a top I rated stock. So they're still bullish, but they took it off the conviction super extra I need to buy now list. So whatever that means, um, I'm going to look at this. I just don't like the real estate here between. 170 and 180 you went up real quickly through it i don't think you're gonna whoosh down through it unless you get you know the market to tank and we know that's never gonna happen until the s p take out 50 60 but it's just you know you can pick your little spots here a little bit but right now that 180 huge level psychological you got to get above that and reestablish a bid at 180 yeah, and it's just one of those stocks right now, like I said, that's not driving the market higher. I mean, it had been for the last, what, 15, 20 years. Been Rotation. What, yeah, and I mean, I, I just, I don't know about shorting this because I think there's like always going to be a defined floor in Apple. Like it's it, it's not going to break through, you know, it, probably, it could get down to 165, but you're not going to see it break down back to 100, you know. So if you're hopping in for a short, hope, hoping for a huge move to the downside, Apple just makes too much money. Quarter after quarter sells too many laptops, iPhones, watches, you name it, for it to drop. And so any any basically all I'm saying is any sustained dip, if we do get down to that 165 level, I'd feel comfortable buying just because I feel like even if you don't see that strong growth that we're used to out of Apple, that there will be that defined floor where there always will be enough value that buyers will come in at a certain Is level. there value is the question, though, when it's trained 28 times earnings and it's historically traded? I mean, when it had the huge runs, you know, back from 2012, 2013, and I was long this thing all the way up. I mean, it was trading at 13 times earnings and we kept arguing that, you know, this, you know, is should be traded with a higher multiple. You know, when it gets up to 30 times earnings, I've argued this on Apple in the past that the multiple is not justified. And then, you know, the Vision Pro got me thinking, I'm like, maybe this is why it's trading 28 times earnings because this product's going to come. It's going to be a game changer. But now it's showing us that product isn't a game changer. So now I see just an expensive tech stock. So I went with very little growth. So until they start showing us they can grow earnings here again, or until they come out with something that the, that the customers actually, you know, are going to flock to a new product, it's just an iPhone company. It's just literally, I got, you know, I a, got cash a, cow. a little comment on uh, uh, their products. Um, 
Do you know? Uh, do you know what the Mophie Universal Wireless Three-in-One Charger is? Uh, did, do you have one of those? Quick story. I bought Lisa one for her birthday because you can charge your phone, your watch, and your earbuds all in one thing. And okay. so I got it for her for her birthday, and she's like, "You know, I don't need this." And I'm like, "Well, because you know, she doesn't wear a watch as much as I do, or use her earbuds as much." And so. I bought her a birthday present, but now now I'm using it. Isn't that nice? There you go. Yeah, that's good. You still get credit for the gift, and then now you get to enjoy it and smart, use it. That's smart. That's smart. It's like if you got order you order food like an appetizer that you know other people don't like at the table. Oh yeah, yeah. For most of it. There you go. That's smart. Um, Feeling I, these out. I don't think that guy likes the shit. Yeah. So I, I think, I think Warren is still selling. Yeah, I Warren. I was gonna say that was. Uh, yeah, yeah I do. That's I a wild card, Joel. Yeah, yeah. There are actually that. so many reasons not to own this stock right now that it actually scares me. It's got the technical setup to the short side. It's got the expensive multiple on it. It had Warren selling some stock here. That's the only thing that scares me is that it really looks like a clean setup to the short side. And maybe you just got to play the clean yeah. setups. But uh, I, I wouldn't want to own Apple right now. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, and I was going to mention that too. Of course, you have the Warren, and that would be to your point, uh, Dennis. If Warren continues to sell, that will be a sign that hey, maybe there isn't as much value in this stock as there was uh, in the past. But all right, guys, nine oh one a.m. Joel, who do we got coming on with us on Monday? Uh, we're going to try and get a look from across the pond. Uh, Michael Houston, CMC Markets. So nice. that's we have uh, on the list here. I'm, I'm looking at the markets here. I'm looking at the pre-market action and. Man, it's just a battle of unchanged here. That all-time closing high. This is for the S and P. I know I'm S and P centric. Oh three seventy-five. You had the all-time closing high uh, before that, right in this area. So, not little SOH for me here on the open. We'll see if we test the pre-market high or pre-market low for a little bit of a fade trade. I'm then cautious and short IWM in the trading account. Still long IWM overall, but just. Looking at it here, I don't get the rally today in IWM. I don't understand it. And maybe I'm going to be wrong because I'm not following it, uh, understanding it. But you got the TLT very weak. You got NYCB down 21% here. And you're going to have, you know, the KRE looks appears to be going to open a very weak here. So banks being a huge part of the IWM and companies borrowing money being a huge part. Maybe they're going to shrug it off here. But I just see IWM sitting up near near the highs, and a lot of issues here still scare me. Maybe this market's going to broaden out, and maybe they don't care, and maybe they're just going to buy stocks anyways, and that's the way. And the momentum is on its side. IWM's clearly in an uptrend here. But I think you just got to be careful chasing um, some of these stocks here today. Let's, you know, I, I'm curious today. Today's a very important day. We need well, the IWM. If you're bullish, you need to shrug off this NYCB news. You don't want to see it open, and then all these banks start to fall, and NYCB gets ugly. And then all of a sudden, you've got a whole can of worms here again. Well, just the flip side of that, Dennis, and it's too early to talk about this. And NYCB is really not that big. It's only about a $3 billion market cap now after it's already drawn down so much. But if you do see the contagion leak mm -hmm. into other regional banks, well, but then if you see that, then what does that mean? It makes it more likely that the Fed is going to cut rates to, you know, an attempt to save these banks. So maybe silver lining. Yeah, silver lining on the on the flip side there. So maybe that could help IWM in the long run. But either way, too early to talk about that. We'll see how the regional banks react today. Uh, Joel, I don't know if you're keeping track, but on Monday, that could be my fifth day in a row. Don't look now. We're on a good streak, though. Uh, <laughs> <Big reason. laughs> 
All right, guys. Big resistance. Big resistance at five days in a row. All right, guys. <laughs> uh, smash the like if you haven't already. We'll have live trading starting up soon. You might see an AB appearance on there as well. Uh, nice. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you guys Monday morning.